Peace. This is KOS the Scientist, and you're live on the Science vs. Spook Show. This is episode number 11, and the title of this episode is MLK Shirt Four Levels into World War III. Let's dive right in. So, before we get into the material, the first thing I want to do is start with a quote from Dr. King. And so, Dr. King said in one of his speeches, he said, A nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. And this speech was titled Beyond Vietnam, A Time to Break Silence. And, you know, when he came out with this speech, okay, he's protesting America's foreign policy and the immorality of it. You know, he was a political genius. Okay, when you look at what's taking place now and what's about to take place, that he had all the connections and the factors figured out. Okay, but, you know, you have these people out here, some people who believe that what's going on in Israel, in the Middle East, or even Ukraine, there's some people believe that don't have anything to do with us here. Okay, it has nothing to do with us. But Dr. King, of course, who spent so much time with the material, with the information. And, you know, one thing that I promote is listen to people who spent 10,000 hours on a particular subject. And so in his mind, in his calculations, is that you really got to deal with the military industrial complex. And you know, when we really look at it, when he came out against Vietnam on April 4th, 1967, exactly April 4th, 1968, he was murdered. Okay. And so in these Vietnam speeches, he's calling out the FBI because he's kind of saying, you know, we're not, I'm not scared to, to go in this area because it's such a sensitive area. But the lesson for us today, I believe, is that you know everybody has all these different politics and these different issues but he's trying to say you need to really look at this military industrial complex it's all up underneath your issues okay your issues whatever they are are connected to the military industrial complex and so one of the things he said was the final phase of our national sickness is the disease of militarism. He said the final phase of our national sickness is the disease of militarism. And, you know, one of the things he says in a later speech is we are willing to make a Negro 100% of a citizen in warfare, but reduce him to 50% of a citizen on American soil. I love how he's breaking out the percentages. So, you know, before he's murdered, he starts agitating this military industrial complex, okay? And you have a professor. She used to be at USC. Now she's at uh, Emory. And her name is Mary Dudziak. And she caught my attention years ago. But she studied Dr. King and the civil rights in the 60s. And what she said is a lot of people, the public, they may believe the spook in terms of America change, 
you know, there was a civil rights movement and it just changed kind of voluntarily. But when she looked underneath everything and she studied all this stuff, she said that what Dr. King was doing, okay, and what really prompted America to change her policies in the 60s, okay, and later on is the foreign policy, okay? So Dr. King, of course, the Negro leadership of his time, they're talking about him. They're saying, don't mess with this foreign policy area. You know, why are you talking about Vietnam and the military industrial complex? Okay. And this goes to a lot of times when we have differences, one person just has a lot more information. One person has a lot more insight. Somebody has connected something and they're looking at the factors where the other people out in the population, they're not caught up yet. Okay. So Dr. King, he was ahead of time. And so the members of the NLCP and those close to the White House in his day, and he talked about them, how, you know, he said that they just wanted to be seen at the White House. They wanted photos. And of course, he wasn't about that. He didn't care about no money. He didn't care about no fame. He didn't care about any of that stuff. And he's saying, when I've looked and I've studied all this stuff, he said America's foreign policy, the military industrial complex is a key area we need to be focused on. You got to go through that for the material changes that you want to see. You're not going to get the stuff in the transformational changes that you're looking for without going through that military industrial complex. And, you know, I'm not going, this episode is just not on this specifically, right? But you got to understand that a lot of people, they're not going to get how the military industrial complex plays against everything. You know, you can tell them that, hey, all this money's going out to Ukraine and Israel and, you know, you got all this stuff going on and it's part of the budget. And, you know, some people are just they're they're very insular and they think that the stuff is not connected or it's not a priority. But Dr. King, he had it. He got it early on. And, you know, some people are going to say he was murdered because he's agitating in this area. So he's embarrassing America in terms of America's contradictions. He's shaming America. Okay. And so this shaming, this agitation, not just him, but just the stuff is beaming out overseas. It complicates how America wants to manage her foreign policy or manage her business. Okay. So when you start messing with people's money, Okay, in the mafia world or the gang world or or in the world, you start messing with people's money, they come to get you. Okay, they're going to come and circle the block on you. And so some people are going to say that when when Dr. King, again, according to this uh, law professor out of Emory, America changed her orientation towards civil rights. The major factor is the Cold War and her foreign policy her international business, empire business. But of course, with Dr. King, he comes out, he starts agitating against America's foreign policy, and he's murdered a year later. Okay. I hope that, you know, if in terms of the the times of trouble and, you know, the stuff that we're seeing, right, the leaders are not going to have moral clarity Right. They're going to see things, whatever Joe Biden says, or, you know, you see these statements out of the NLACP and Al Sharpton and 
uh, even Cornel West, right? They have political considerations. How do I get elected? How do I get some money? How do I not rock the boat so I can get some support or it's going to help my career or, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. So in the leadership, you have a moral void, okay, right now. So the people are listening to the media and Joe Biden and, you know, the people are, the leadership are too conflicted into the empire's business that you're not seeing any moral clarity. And so to understand what's going on uh, with Israel, Ukraine, Russia, and all this mess that's going on, you got to go back to Dr. King. Okay. And I'm not going to point you to myself because again, this guy was a political scientist. He got the stuff that, that we need to get, right? So I want to encourage you to go back and check out his speeches and material in the foreign policy area. Okay, so, you know, one of the things to consider before we get into the material is countries, yeah, they have financial debt. Uh, America has over trillion, 30 trillion of financial debt. Of course, in her situation is more complicated because with the inflation, she can't print money. Okay. So, you know, countries have financial debt, but they also have hidden debt off the books. And so the countries, not just America, they have done things in the past. They have done things in history. Okay. Where the society has moved forward. The society has advanced, but these debts are still there. They're not financial. Okay. People remember things. Okay. People think you forgot about it. And so the countries have done wicked things. They have done inhumane things, actions, inactions. And so some countries in the population, they may, society has moved forward and they think that they don't have this debt. But when you have moral clarity, okay, the moral clarity of Dr. King, you'll notice that whether it's here in the United States with the black American or, and they're not equivalent, okay, I want to make that clear, but whether you look at us here in the United States, or you look at in Gaza and with the Palestinians, okay, what was done, there's still debt there. We can't, it's not financial debt. It's just that the people have it inside of them. They have the struggle all up inside them. Okay. It's not going away. So the, the, the rulers, the oppressors, the empires, they want to just move on. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. It's all good. That stuff happened in the past. We did all that in the past. Let's just forget about it. But America, Israel, and other countries, they've done things in the past where they have hidden debts. And at points in time, the debt becomes due. Okay. The people have not forgotten. 
Okay, so there is a non-spooky karma that some countries are carrying where there's going to be get back. Okay. And that's for us as individuals too. Sometimes we do things and we think people forgot about what we did, what we did to them. Okay. They may be smiling or whatever, but there's debt in that relationship based on what has happened in the past. Okay. So I have a basic outline of the, the Israel and Palestine question. Okay. And so Here it goes. Uh, In late 1800s and early 1900s, Jewish immigration to Palestine began as part of the Zionist movement, aiming to establish a homeland for Jews. Okay, so where the Jews are coming from, they're coming from Europe during this time period, uh, mostly from Germany, Poland, and Russia. These are the current names of the countries, but they're coming from these geographies, Germany, Poland, and Russia. Okay, so they're coming into this area, okay, that we now call Israel. And so a small piece of it, uh, let me make that clear. So in 1947, the United Nations proposed splitting Palestine into separate Jewish and Arab states. Jews accepted, Arab leaders did not. So right there is that there's this international body saying, we're going to split this stuff up. The Jews say, yeah, you know, we win it, you know, and, you know, the position of the Jewish people is, hey, you know, how can you just come over here and just just parachute down and take over this land? And a lot of them, they'll say the Bible says so or the Old Testament says so. We're the chosen people. This is our land from the Bible. The Bible says a lot of things, but you don't see the society acting like the Bible. You don't see the society enforcing the rules of the Bible. But the Jewish question, some of the rationale is we were here before, so we can parachute down and this is our right. We we could take it over. Okay, so they have a biblical uh, rationale that's uh, very problematic. So 1947, the United Nations proposed splitting Palestine into separate Jewish and Arab states. Jews accepted. uh, Arab leaders did not. 1948, we're going from 1947 to 1948, Israel declared independence. Neighboring Arab countries attacked. So Israel unilaterally declares independence. You know, we're not part of this kind of new scheme that the United Nations set up, but we're declaring we're an independent nation now in 1948. So, so as soon as they declare independence, the neighboring Arab countries attack. By the end, Israel controlled more land than original than originally proposed. So when all this stuff starts, Israel is just very, very, has a tiny strip of land. Okay. And so you're going to see as we go through, they just get more and more. So the Arab countries, they attack and Israel, they win. They win more land in 1948. So in 1967, Israel and neighboring Arab countries fought another war, six day war. Israel captured more territories, including the West Bank and Gaza Strip. So Israel 
is going around the Monopoly board and they're winning in terms of war. And so they're kicking the Arabs' ass in these wars. And of course, they're assisted by foreign countries. Okay. And so Israel is winning more territory through war. In 1967, they captured the Gaza Strip in the West Bank. Okay. So settlements and borders. Over the years, Israel built settlements in the captured areas, which many see as reducing Palestinian land. So after they win in these wars, they're taking more and more land. Okay. With these settlements, they're building. And so of course, when we're looking at something in terms of, hey, there's a war, there's fighting, people, you know, are killing on both sides, to, we need to go to the foundation, okay, in terms of the, the history. Less, of course, we're not going to have the moral clarity of Dr. King and see things the right way, okay? If we're just looking at the surface with Joe Biden and statements from Hakeem Jeffries and Al Sharpton, who are part of the kind of establishment, right? They're going to be, they can't say anything against Israel, okay, based on what's underneath them, okay, and who supports them, who's in their political cap table, who's invested in them. They don't want to ruffle any feathers. But if we're going to have the moral clarity of Dr. King, we're going to have to look at the history and look at what's underneath this stuff. Unless we're not going to see things the right way. We're just going to see it the white way. So let's go to a clip by Ron Paul where he's going to talk about the Israel helping set up Hamas, the militant organization, of course, who launched this shock attack on Israel. But Ron Paul, he's going to break down how Israel was playing politics and they, they originally supported Hamas. If you look at the history, you'll find out that Hamas was encouraged and really started by Israel because they wanted Hamas to counteract Yasser Arafat. You said, well, yeah, that was better then and served its purpose, but we didn't want Hamas to do this. So then we as Americans say, well, we have such a good system. We're going to impose this on the world. We're going to invade Iraq and teach people how to be Democrats. We want free elections. So we encourage the Palestinians to have a free election. They do, and they elect Hamas. So we first indirectly and directly through Israel help establish Hamas. Then we have an election. Then Hamas becomes dominant, so we have to kill them. You know, it, it just doesn't make sense. During, during the 80s, uh, you know, we were allied with Osama bin Laden. And uh, we were contending with the Soviets. It was at that time our CAA thought it was good if we radicalized the Muslim world. So we financed the madrasa schools to radicalize the Muslims in order to compete with the, with the Soviets. There's too much blowback. There's a lot of reasons why we should oppose this resolution. It is not in the interest of the United States. It's not in the interest of Israel either. Okay, so you heard former Senator Ron Paul about Israel helping create Hamas. Uh, and, you know, let's talk about the conditions in Palestine. And so there's about 5 million Palestinians and 2 million in Gaza. Okay, so this is where, of course, Netanyahu and Israel, they're turning it into a parking lot. You know, of course, they're parking lot lotting it, essentially, just bombing everybody, kids, 
women. They don't care sending the bunker busters. But there's 2 million Palestinians in Gaza. And, you know, people who look at this, they refer to Gaza as like a prison. Right. Essentially, the the, po- the Israeli police are all around you. You're in a big ghetto. You know, they say 95 percent of the water is undrinkable. Israel is is highly influencing your water supply. So, of course, when this stuff started, just, hey, I'm going to turn the water off. They have restricted electricity, four hours electricity per day. And unemployment is, is about 50 percent. Of course, that's going to go that's going to go way up after this. And 52% of you express that there's no will to live. Okay, so let's think about these conditions, right? If the conditions are so messed up and your identity in Palestine, if your identity is in the struggle and, and, and you read the history and say, man, we lost all this land over these years and these are the people who took the land and they're all rich, Right. They're all partying and, you know, they got the luxury cars and we over here in this little ghetto. Right. But 50 percent of the youth, they don't have any will to live. Right. So you're talking about a desperate context. How do we get out of this mess in this little ghetto where there's four hours electricity a day? You're not guaranteed to drink clean drinking water. You got the police. Israel all around you. You want to go visit your family. You got to check in with the police. So, you know, with these conditions, right, it's a desperate situation over there. Contrast it with Israel, which is a wealthy country, a wealthy white country. And so, Part of the context, before we get into the meat of this, of the material, you know, before this attack happened, there were hundreds of thousands, over 100,000 of protesters in Israel protesting Netanyahu. And what Netanyahu wanted to do is weaken the judicial system and the people highly resisted this power grab by Netanyahu. And of course, he's facing he's been facing corruption charges. So before we get into the material, the context is there's a lot of turmoil in Israel where the right-wing president, Netanyahu, he wants to get more power and weaken the judges. From his perspective, the judges are not elected and they have too much power. And then so his opposition is saying, hey, you're weakening our checks and balances in this country. So before this big attack, there's a lot of turmoil in Israel. There's a lot of protests and the president wants more powers. Okay, so with Netanyahu, you know, let's go to Bernie Sanders, you know, before we we talk a little bit about Netanyahu. So, you know. in 2021, I have this article from The Hill, and it's May 14th, and the headline is, Netanyahu has cultivated racist nationalism. Okay. You know, this is what Bernie Sanders, who's Jewish, this is what he's saying. 
you know, we must recognize that Palestinian rights matter. Palestinian lives matter, he said, invoking a variation of the slogan used during last year's civil rights backlash against incidents of police brutality against African-Americans. Sanders warned that Netanyahu is on trial for corruption as he tries to build support for a new coalition government, has often exploited racist and nationalist sentiments to stay in, po in power. In his frantic effort to stay in power and avoid prosecution for corruption, Mr. Netanyahu has legitimized these forces, including Itamir Ben-Giver, G-V-I-R, and his extremist Jewish power party by bringing them into the government. Uh, and so one of the things I thought about over the last, you know, three, four, five years is that the Democrats, they're like, you know, MAGA so racist, MAGA so bad, Trump's so bad. So why are you so in the bed with Israel then? Because they got a Trump over there in terms of how you characterize Trump. They have a right wing person who's accused of corruption, trying to weaken the checks and balances, that this person is right wing. This person is like the Trump here in terms of how you view Trump. So why is the MAGA okay in Israel? Why is the Tel Aviv MAGA okay? But Trump is the worst thing ever. So you see this contradiction. Okay, but the contradiction involves how the political establishment is structured and who's underneath them. And so, you know, with Netanyahu, before we start talking about the, the attack, okay, the Hamas attack on Israel, before we get into this, we got we to gotta first say that Netanyahu is running a racist regime, a racist regime that has a racist and an apartheid history, okay? And the most right-wing president, okay, the MAGA of Israel is, is running that country, was elected to that country. So when we talk about... You know, of course, I condemn the mass murder of innocents and women and, and children. Of course, war is always going to be nasty. But the science of it is, it looks in Western media as a terrorist attack. Okay, this is just terrorism. But if you're in the ghetto in Palestine, the war never stopped. This is still war. We may have to, because we're outgunned, we're outpowered, right? We may have to, to, to kind of circle back. We may have to regroup. We may have to quiet down for some years, but this war ain't going away. We're still in war. You know, we don't have the weapons. We don't got the money. We don't got the United States support, the big support, but this war is on. It may not be declared and, you know, it's turning off and turning on, but the war never stopped. So we still in war. Okay. So the justification now of Israel killing women, children, and innocents as they bunker bus and turn Palestine, turn Gaza into a parking lot. Okay. The justification is, hey, we have to retaliate. Okay. But from the Palestinian side, they're going to say, we've, that's exactly what we were doing when we busted on Israel.
we attack Israel, that's retaliation from the past and the history. The war never stopped. And so, you know, that's important context. And also, before this attack, Saudi Arabia announced that they were going to normalize ties with Israel. In Saudi Arabia, over the last 10 years or so, they've been creeping up closer to closer to Israel. And of course, from their perspective, is they need Israel as a check for their enemy, Iran. And so Saudi Arabia announces that, you know, they're working on some type of deal with Israel and normalizing ties. And of course, this attack happened. So that's important as well. So let's get into the planning. Okay, so for intelligence experts uh, and those who have been in the intelligence community, okay, and governments, their estimates on this attack is that it took several months of planning. Okay, the dominant estimate is that, you know, it took several months and possibly Hamas couldn't do it by them, by themselves. They had to have help somewhere. There's some type of super intelligence they're getting from somewhere because this was planned so well. It got through Mossad, who's considered to be the Harvard University of Intelligence Agencies, better than the CIA. Okay, so how is Hamas going to plan such a sophisticated attack through air, through water, land? They're hit. They're hitting where they're supposed to be hitting, right? And it's not detected by the Harvard University of Intelligence Agency's Mossad. And so, you know, the intelligence community is saying this took you know several months, and most likely Hamas had some help. Okay, and so I've been watching closely to the events. You know, this is how I see things developing. It does not look good. So level one of this particular war. So Israel and Netanyahu, of course, they come out and say this is a war and this is going to be a war like we've never seen. They're saying that Gaza and the Middle East, not just Gaza, the Middle East will never be the same. This is what Netanyahu is saying. And so right now we're at level one. And this is this is my framework. Okay, so right now, this is the four levels. We're at level one where it's Hamas versus Israel. Okay, level two is Hamas and Hezbollah versus Israel. And so a little bit about Hezbollah, they're in the country of Lebanon and they're backed by Iran and they are the largest well-armed non-state actor in on the planet. Okay. So Hezbollah is very, very deep, and they're on the border, of course, with Israel. So with Hezbollah, okay, you got a whole nother army separate from Hamas coming out of Lebanon. Okay. So if this war was to escalate and spread, 
the level two where this thing is cranked up is Hezbollah steps in. They see the children and 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 just indiscriminate bomb bombing and killing the women, the children. They killing everybody. At some point, I expect Hezbollah to step into this war. So then you would be at level two. Okay, so after level two is where you would have Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran. Okay, so Iran and Israel, of course, has been at each other, making threats for decades. They've been enemies, hardcore enemies, where as a country, they have a mandate. And, you know, you hear it is they want to destroy Israel. So at level three, you would have Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran. Okay. And then level four. Okay. When you see this, you were really, really going to see fireworks. Okay. If it goes to level four. And level four would be Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, and Russia. Okay. And. You know, Russia is in the Middle East. Okay. They stepped into the Syria conflict to check the interests of the United States and the West. And their fighters have fought in Syria and they have a base in Syria. So Russia has an interest in the Middle East. And, you know, in hindsight, it looks like the Syria, the investment in Syria plays out well if they're going to get into this now. Okay. And so what I want to go over is the concept called strategic convergence. If this war spreads where other organizations and countries get involved, Israel is going to have the mother of all wars against the Islamic people, against Muslims. Okay. And, you know, it would be a perfect a perfect scenario if Russia is in a war with Ukraine and you have these Muslims over here tangling up with Israel. It's a distraction. It's going to deplete. It's going to divide the resources where the American politicians are going to start trying to ration their military aid. Where does it go? Full is, most of it is going to Israel now. There's no question about that. But now America is conflicting because, hey, we're, we're using Ukraine as a proxy against Russia and these billions and billions are going out the door. Now billions and billions have to go out the door for Israel. And so these billions are going out the door every week. Where does it go? Israel or Ukraine? Okay. Because of the political makeup underneath the politicians, Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Of course, it has to go, the majority has to go to Israel now, okay? Uh, it's very unlikely that the majority is going to go to Ukraine now. So Israel just stepped in the front of the ATM line where the United States has to start bringing money out every week. And so when you hear or when you see headlines about there's a new, there's new money going out to these countries, billions and billions of dollars, right? They can't tell you that the tab, the final tab is going to be 500 billion or in the trillions, right? Like Afghanistan and Iraq, uh, more than a billion each, right? They can't tell you that the tab is going to be really big. What they have to do, the, what the rulers 
excuse me, what the rulers have to do is they got to drip it out. So if I drip out a billion at a time, five billion at a time, three billion, the public is only going to see these smaller billions, right? Because the military con contractors and the complex and the politicians, right? If the approvals have small numbers on them, people are really not paying attention in terms of not just how it's adding up, but once you get into these wars, Iraq, Afghanistan, they're hard to get out. So the public, they're not thinking about, man, it's very complicated to withdraw from these countries once you get in. Once you start one, it's hard to end a war. The public is not thinking about that. The public, you know, they're watching CNN and MSNBC and Fox and they're looking at all the Israelis and they're saying, send the money, send the money, my heart, send the money, send the money. But when the tab, the final bill comes out and they're like, man, it's, it costs a trillion dollars. You know, Iraq and Afghanistan, that's two trillion dollars. So the rulers in the military industrial complex and the politicians, they got to drip the money out in smaller numbers. So you'll see the headlines by week, every two weeks, every month. It has to go a little bit at a time. OK, they can't just say a big number. Right. Because that's going to have political implications. So. With the four level framework. And political convergence is that. This is a perfect setup for Russia. OK, so Russia and Iran, of course, are oil powers. OK, they need a higher price of oil. OK. America has a problem with inflation. Okay. As we saw initially with the first, with the U Ukraine attack on Ukraine, you know, some economists believe that the, the war factored into higher inflation. It wasn't the only factor, but that was a factor. So war could be supportive of higher inflation. America's having a problem with inflation. Okay. So if I can get higher oil prices, higher inflation, it may impact, it's going to impact Russia and the United States, but it could impact the United States more based on the vulnerabilities in the United States. Okay. And so with the strategic convergence, right, Russia can take the moral high ground. Okay. So they're coming out, Russia and Putin, they're coming out and saying, look, all this stuff could be settled with the Palestinian state. Give these people you know, some of their territory back and let's have a real country for these people where they're not just policed up by another country or all oppressed by another country. And so what Russia can, can come in, and of course there's almost 2 billion Muslims in the world, right, who are sympathetic to the Palestinian cause. And they may not be watching CNN and MSNBC where it's so one-sided, where Israel's always right. And these Palestinians, as the Israel is calling them, are savages, are, you know, animals. And so what if Putin is at war with Ukraine, but he has an inflamed Muslim world on his side? Okay, that's a plus for him. And he has the resources divided between Israel and Ukraine. Okay, and so if we get to level three, 
where Hezbollah and Iran is involved, you know, we really could be looking at World War III. This is very, very serious in terms of my understanding and factoring of the current events is that we're getting closer and closer to a potential catastrophic conflict. And of course, I believe that America will risk it all over Israel. It will risk everything. It will gamble everything over Israel. So even, you know, it may, the country, America itself, they may risk going down or a lower quality of life over Israel. That's how much America is committed to Israel. And, you know, the planners of this attack, I believe they considered that Gaza could be turned into a parking lot. They considered the bunker busters. You know, you got to consider that if it was planned so well, you know, they outsmarted everyone. Of course, there's another version of this is that they knew it was going to happen in some type of conspiracy. That's not the dominant view here, uh, but that is a point of view out there uh, that this is just some games being played. So if the people outsmarted Mossad and the CIA and the intelligence community, there's a possibility that they not only factored into how hard Israel is coming back now, where they're just bunker bustering everything, killing everybody, children, handicapped, grandma, everybody got to go. If Israel is circling the block and blasting everything in sight, did Hamas, they already estimated this. They already thought about it. And, you know, there's a possibility that if Hamas is going to do such an attack like this, they know what's coming back on them, but they have a backstop. Okay. Uh, and sometimes people don't do really bold things unless I got in, uh, assurances from a big boss. I got assurances from another country. I got a, assurances from another country that they're going to step in at the right time. So the only reason I'm doing this stuff where they're going to blow up everybody, grandma, you know, my children, they coming back and they destroying everything. If I've already thought about that, I've already calculated this, there could be a mentality in terms of the planners and Hamas is that we don't care because there's something else coming. There's a phase two and a phase three to this. There's other people who are going to get into this. And so my thinking is when Hamas did this attack on Israel, they're prepared to go all the way. And, and when I say that they're prepared to go all the way, it would be the mother of all wars over there. And there's a high probability that Hamas is working with Hezbollah, Iran, and potentially Russia behind the scenes because Russia has been increasing their presence in the Middle East and they've been working directly with Iran and Hezbollah. Okay, so why would somebody attack when somebody's going to come and blow the whole block up? Okay, just destroy everything. You would do that, or Hamas would do that, if they know that this is much deeper than the people expect. That these fools, Lindsey, Senator Lindsey Graham and people on Fox and all this stuff saying that we're about to get busy and this and that. There could be a, a, a plan on top of that where this is a trap for the United States. It's a trap where you get suckered into a broader conflict uh, 
And that's exactly what the planners want, because it's not just Hamas. You just don't know who's all involved yet. OK, so there's a potential for this to be a trap for America to come into this. And there's a bigger war with Hezbollah, with Iran, and there could be a hidden or the person may just come out front and we with we with we with this side and we're against Israel because Russia and Israel, they have a strategic relationship. But because of everything that's going on. Russia versus Ukraine, Russia versus the United States with what's going on in the Middle East is Russia going to start to lean against Israel. OK, so when you think about the, the opposing sides of Russia, Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, this is a very strong opposition. OK, particularly when the United States inflation and fiscal situation is so messed up okay so with all these political problems and all these issues in the united states right this would be a very challenging time to posture against china use ukraine as a proxy against russia billions come out the door and now you open up another front now you have this war with potentially over a billion muslims because once Remember, everybody's not watching the media that we're watching. Some people are going to be watching Islamic news or Muslim news or Arab news. And they're going to see all these dead bodies, thousands piling up. And Israel's killing everybody. And they were sympathetic with, with the Palestinians before. And they're going to be extra, extra, extra sympathetic now. So now Russia has Muslim countries and individual Muslims coming together with him. This is a strategic convergence between the Muslim factions and Russia. And what makes it very, very complicated for the United States and the West is there's a strong moral argument that we got to take care of these Palestinians over here. We don't see that, that, you know, the, the Israeli is, is valued a hundred times more than the Palestinian. We don't see it that way. We're looking at the history and we don't see it as you guys do. We're not worried about the campaign money. We're not worried about are we going to lose a job? We're not worried about anything like that. We're worried about what's right for the Palestinians. OK, so the United States is going to prioritize and the Negroes, the bootlicking black politicians. They're going to prioritize Israel. It don't matter what happens. It's just based on how they're structured underneath them. Okay, but the Muslim world is going to prioritize the Palestinian. So now Russia, man, they, they, they have a strategic alliance here. Okay, and they have, of course, bases. Russia has uh, a base right there in Syria, and they're close to Iran and Hezbollah. So I want to go to immigration. Okay, the first thing I thought about is, is that part of the four-level framework in terms of how could you potentially get into World War III, part of that framework is, of course, uh, this is a very sophisticated operation with different phases. Okay, we're just in phase one. And if the planners, and when I say planners, it could be 
Hamas, Hezbollah. It could be Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran, or it could be Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, and Russia. We don't know. And so the, I'm just going to use a broad term, the planners, okay? And there's a consensus, whether you're on one side or the other, there's a consensus that this was well, well planned, very, very sophisticated. So if this thing was planned so well, we're outsmarted Mossad and the CIA and all the intelligence agencies. Okay. And it was, and it took several months to plan what's going on right now in the United States. There's a big immigration problem. The migrants are coming here from all different countries showing up. As we talked about in the prior episode is they're showing up from different countries, including countries like Syria, Lebanon, they're not just coming from Mexico. They're coming from all over. And they're showing up, talking about being persecuted. Let me in. I'm a refugee. And right now, they're all just being allowed to come in here. And so millions of migrants have been coming over here the last few years in the millions. So these borders, the border is very leaky. Right. If you have a policy where someone can show up and say, I'm being persecuted, I want to come to the richest country, let me in. And they're letting you in. Everybody going to show up For, from their perspective in terms of what it looks like back home. That's like, you know, you giving away a Bentley or Mercedes Benz. So these people are lined up like a million men march trying to get into this country and they're being let in. And so this is where the stuff starts to get real messy, potentially, or real violent, okay? So if America's borders are not secure, and the Republicans have been preaching this for years, they have been saying for over 10 years that you have to protect your border Due to national security, your border has to be tight because of national security. Some of them have been preaching this for decades, national security, national security, border. But whatever the case, the border is real leaky at the worst time. It can be leaky because if you're going to, if the United States is going to be sending all these weapons and clearly be on the side of Israel and there's about to be a big war. And some people will just say this is a religious war, Jews and Christianity versus Islam. So if there's a big religious war and everybody's just jacked up, millions of people just jacked up, you can't really go to war intelligently with people flooding into the country from these Lebanon. Again, the, uh, let's go to the article. So I have an article here. And the headline, this is from Fox News. The headline is thousands of special interest aliens from Middle East countries stopped at southern borders since 2021. There have also been 1.5 million gateways under the Biden administration. Okay, so, you know, they're, they're coming from Afghanistan and Syria, Egypt, you know, Agents also encountered 12,624 from Uzbekistan, 30,830 from Turkey, 
1613 from Pakistan, 164 from Lebanon, 185 from Jordan. Of course, Lebanon is where Hezbollah is. 120 from Iraq and 15,594 from Mauritania. Okay, so you have all these people coming in here, showing up. I'm a refugee. Let me in. I'm being persecuted back home. So if you're going to go to war with the Muslims, you can't have the border wide open. So I predict that Bi there's going to be some type of action by Biden with the border. But the thing is too late. Uh, we have to consider that Hamas, if the planners were so smart, where the CIA didn't catch him, the Mossad didn't catch him, if you believe that story. Okay. I respect an alternative point of view that there's a game being played. Okay. But if they outsmarted Mossad and the CIA, the planners, you got to think that Hamas is already in the United States, not just Hamas, but other militant organizations. So the, the planners, if, of course, the part of the four level framework is someone who would do this and risk their housing, their families, their, their buildings, uh, their living conditions already bad. If they're willing to risk everything being turned into a parking lot with bunker busters, they've already thought about the get back that these people, they got a phase two and a phase three. Okay. So the planners, if they have a phase two or phase three and the borders just wide open, there's people connected to this war that are inside the United States. Okay. And it's too late. Biden is going to come out with something. We got to tighten up on the border, but it's too late. Okay. Most likely these, these militants, terrorists, they are inside the United States right now. And they could be deep because if you're planning all this and you outsmarting everybody and this border is just kind of a free for all showing up, I'm a refugee. I'm being persecuted. Let me into the richest country. You know, you, America has a really big problem because if there is a big security breach at the border and these Muslims are coming over here from Lebanon, from Syria, from Iraq, then there's a serious question. Can you even go to war on the side of Israel against Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran, because you can't be fighting Ukraine on the right, the Muslim factions and countries on the left, and you got the Muslims inside here, who they believe that this is the big religious war against the Christians and the Jews. So if all this stuff is going on, this stuff is going to get hellish or could slide into a World War III confrontation the religious element is going to get everybody jacked up and the moral element where you know if you're in greenwich connecticut or beverly hills and you're looking at cnn and you say oh that's so sad what happened to the israelis but most of the planet the population they don't see it so much on Israel's side. That's a very American thing. Okay. The people, the majority around the world, 
the majority are going to be sympathetic to the Palestinian side, considering the history, considering the apartheid, considering the oppression, considering the discrimination. And so the immigration is something that is going to be a bigger issue. And I honestly think, of course, I, I talked about this in the, in the risk factors for Biden, but man, if you're, if you have a reputation of being soft on uh, border security and you want to go to war with the Muslims, you know, you're going to have some election problems, some big ones. And if anything happens, of course, let's say there is a plot inside the United States that's part of this. Anything that goes down, it's going to go right to Biden. So I want to talk about the media. Okay, who I believe is the biggest vulture in the United States, the media, the mainstream media. And when I say that, I'm talking about MSNBC, CNN, and Fox as the mainstream media. And, you know, I want to share with you an article from 2018 where there was a Palestinian activist. Uh, you may recall there was a picture of the, of the child standing up to the Israeli soldier. And, you know, she had an aggressive look. And she was on the, you know, she made, she got a lot of press in the mainstream media, you know, this child. And her name was uh, Ahed Tamimi. Okay. But what caught my attention back in 2018 is her mother, the Palestinian mother, was saying, the only reason my daughter is in these magazines and being written about, you guys didn't care nothing about us, is she looks white. She has red hair. She has green eyes. And we've been doing this activism stuff forever. But you like my daughter because she looks whiter than how we usually, how most of us look. So, you know, this is an important point because if the Palestinian mother and most mothers are like, man, my daughter's famous. Yes, yes. You know, I love it. She's saying, hold up. What, what the hell is wrong with y'all? We out here in the paint every day. And why does she get all this attention? It must be because she looks a little different. She looks white. So that's the, the kind of frame I'm looking at this coverage on the attack on Israel is that when you turn on that television, okay, I want you to think about this Palestinian mother who was saying that this Democrat media, this liberal media, that they have a racial bias and they may not even be self-aware of it, is that they're preferring my daughter because she looks white. It, you know, it's a more interesting story based on how she looks, right? And so when I take a sneak peek at a Fox or a CNN or MSNBC, you can see the bias is that a lot of people are just too stupid. You know, the, the education and the media, again, I guess say this is the number one vulture, the media, they've been indoctrinated. We have been indoctrinated growing up with the media, the education, the imagery, all this stuff is that the media 
they they're not in the position to eat. A lot of them are not even positioned to even see the bias, right? It's not like they're going to have, they're going to be well studied in this area about structural and institutional racism, or they're not going to have the moral clarity, obviously of a Dr. King. So they're just, you know, spitting out news, but they may not even see the preferences like this Palestinian mother sees them. She sees what the, what a lot of people in the media, they can't see, but she has to come from a different perspective to see the bias. Okay. And so when you look at the media, you blow up, you know, over the last decades, you know, much more Palestinians, thousands of more, tens of thousands of more Palestinians, Palestinian dies every day at the hands of Israel. But the psychology of both black and white in the United States now, because of course, as time goes on, most of us are blended into the Democratic Party institution. We're blended into how the media, the political parties think. We start melting and becoming institutionalists. Okay. And so the society, both black and white, as time goes on, you may not even be able to see that there's a preference of one over the other because you got so much institutionalization underneath you. Okay. And so the media is, of course, they have a clear preference. And, you know, if you're really into the war coverage, I highly recommend going to YouTube and watching Al Jazeera live just to get a different perspective. Because if I can look at CNN, MSNBC, Fox, and I look at Al Jazeera, if I can have, I have two options, I can look at the options, that's going to get me closer to the reality because the mainstream media in the United States is going to be very biased, right? And Al Jazeera, they're going to be slanted too, right? That's out of cutter, that particular TV station, and they are going to be slanted towards the Arab point of view, okay? But for me to get closer to the reality, if I don't want to be in the spook world where I'm just getting, you know, slanted information from different sides, you know, I have to at least be exposed to different perspectives instead of just taking in CNN, MSNBC, Fox News like I'm a pig where I just eat all the media information. And you got to consider just like the politician is compromised, conflicted and corrupted where they uh, most of them cannot talk about Israel. They can't say nothing. You just take this script. OK, they can't say nothing. You're not going to see any black Democrat say anything, nothing. Okay. So if the politicians are so compromised, conflicted and corrupt, the media, what I call them a vultures, they're sitting on top of the American population. They have to make money. They can't ruffle any feathers. They're connected to the Pentagon. Okay. They're connected to the white house. Right. A lot of these people are being shuffled in from inside the White House into the media. Al Sharpton, he has a position on MSNBC, but he's also Biden and the Democratic Party's weed carrier at the same time. So the people are not going to say anything that's going to move you. 
because they're not going to have, of course, any moral insights. They're not going to be objective. These people are just speaking from a script. And the media, of course, is a big problem, a big contributor to the structural racism, institutional racism you see in the society and, and, and in the world. And so, you know, you're going to see when you see this coverage, you really see. And of course, Dr. King used the word sickness in terms of the militarism, but the media is sick, too, because you'll see how they value one side over the other. You know, you could have a 10,000 on one side die. Innocence, women, children, just kill everybody. That's fine over there. But these people over here, if, if five of them die, that's all I care about. The, the American media is just like that. So I want to share with you Kim Iverson, who's a political commentator who has her own uh, YouTube show. And she posted this on social media. She said that, this is the example she gave. The FBI just let off explosives in an entire apartment building filled with women and children in downtown L.A. while on a manhunt for a serial killer. Apparently, the killer was hiding out in the grandmother's unit. Reports are at least 30 to 50 people were likely killed. What the fuck is wrong with the FBI? Granted, the serial killer is dead, but killing 30 to 50 innocent people in the process? They issued a statement saying it's not their fault. 50 people are dead. The serial killer should have been more concerned about where he was hiding out. And so what's going on now and what the United States and Biden are saying is that they believe in collective punishment. Okay, so because Hamas did this. Everybody has to pay for it. the children, the crippled, the, the grandmother, the grandpa, the teacher, the nurse, the doctor. Everybody has to pay because of what Hamas has done or what these fighters or militants have done. So Biden is saying when he says that, hey, I'm not going to tell Israel to restrained from civilians or nothing. Just let them go. He's giving Israel a blank check to kill everybody. Women, children, a grandpa, grandma, teacher, nurse, imam, blow up the mosque, just whatever you want, Israel, you can do it. Okay. But of course, if you remember with George Floyd and, you know, the fire started going off at police stations in different buildings, a lot of the attacks were targeted of course, what does Biden tell you when you have a grievance? Of course, shut up, nonviolence, vote Democrat, and pray. Okay, so when there is a violent attack against Black Americans, of course, the establishment is going to tell us, pray, vote Democrat, shut up nonviolence. Okay. When something horrific happens to Israel and their people, they're going to say they're giving them a pass and say, kill everybody. So, you know, you see this hierarchy. Okay. And of course 
the Palestinian mother is talking about this hierarchy in terms of it's embedded in our psychology, not just white, not just the mainstream media. It's deeply embedded in us too, as we get more and more processed and melt into, as more and more black Americans melt into democratic party culture. So that more and more of this sick psychology filters into our cultural thought, our mind. Okay. So the media, you know, the Israelis are going on the media, CNN, MSNBC, and they're openly calling the Palestinians savages and animals. Okay. When you consider the historical context, that's no problem for CNN and MSNBC or Fox, savages, animals. You know, they're using this language. That's no problem. And, you know, I, I would like to, I want to encourage you to pay attention to how the media covers the war. Okay. And also, you know, I saw Abby Phillips uh, from CNN, you know, she said that Hamas was beheading babies. She posted that on social media, on Twitter and other journalists, professional journalists. And they, they came back and said, man, we went back to the Israeli military and they said, they don't have no record of that. And so a lot of these journalists out here, they're going to be promoting propaganda, right? Of course, the more you cater to the Israeli establishment, to the political establishment and business establishment, right? That's going to benefit you career-wise. So Abby Phillips is vulnerable to start promoting propaganda to her followers in blackface. She's even she's willing to just quickly put out misinformation that has not been confirmed. Oh, the Hamas was 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 beheading the babies, and it brings to mind. Oprah Winfrey, uh, that when the WMD spook was put out there, the fake W weapons of mass destruction in Saddam Hussein, Oprah Winfrey was justifying the war based on these scripts that are out there, just parroting what the government, what the Pentagon, what the establishment wants to say. So Oprah Winfrey, she helped sell the Iraq war. You look it up. We've covered we covered that on uh, Mogledom. And it's not just her being bamboozled with war propaganda where, you know, millions and hundreds of thousands and millions of people can die from, you know, these 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 justifications for these wars. What America and the Pentagon want to do in the, the military contractors that black people can be efficiently used by the rulers to promote war propaganda, war interests, what we want to do. And niggas are going to be out there selling it. Oprah Winfrey was selling it with Iraq, but she wasn't the only one. And so if Colin Powell, he said one of his major regrets in his career was selling the war because he thought that he was being manipulated by the military industrial complex. There were people on top and on the side of Colin Powell. He said that they were manipulating him and he wasn't smart enough to catch it. So if Colin Powell was not smart, if you believe him, 
he said that they were I was being manipulated by people with all these different agendas. Okay. And he wrote that he really regretted that in terms of him promoting selling this this war, this fake war stuff. And so with black leaders and journalists, again, you're not going to spot any of the moral clarity of Dr. King. They're just going to be cheerleading, parroting, selling war. And they're not only just selling the war in terms of they're selling the war where it's one sided. You can't look at the Jewish person and the, 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 the innocent Jewish person and the innocent Muslim child. You don't look at them the same because the institution institutionalization that's inside of you, the indoctrination, the media propaganda inside of you, your black self, you, you yourself, you can't look, you can't look at human beings the same. You're so twisted and crooked from the vulture media. Okay. So you're going to have people like Abby Phillips and the, the Democrat congressional black caucus, they're going to be selling the war. Okay, they're going to be justifying indiscriminate bombing children, grandpa, grandma, uncle, cousin, teacher, nurse. They all got to die because of this attack. Every all the innocent people have to go. They have to get bunker busted because of what you did to our friends in Israel. They everybody has to go. And you're going to see the majority of the black establishment. They're going to be selling the war. And selling this military industrial complex agenda, you know, you're going to see more and more of that. Okay. And of course, you're never going to see the moral clarity of a Dr. King and saying, look, before we start making moral judgments about the good one and the simple moral judgments that this is the good one and that's the bad one, let's go back into the history. I know it's complicated and motherfuckers out here, they want to be lazy. But I got to go back to the history and see how this stuff started and how this stuff built up, because I'm not going to understand anything if I just listen to these people in, in, in the media. And some of them should know better. But, of course, they are seeking career advancement. They don't want to rock the boat. So they're just going to go according to the script. And, of course, others are just too stupid. It's just this this teaching has never has never they've never come across any that would straighten them out. So. You know, this. The, I'm going to leave with this, with this media coverage is, uh, well, I want to leave with two things. And so, you know, we're taught, I was taught, I went to, um, I didn't go to Sunday school. I went to Sabbath school. I, I grew up as a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, and, you know, you're taught in church and you're taught at home, two wrongs don't make a right. But when you see the grandma and the grandpa and the cousin and everybody got to go mentality that's coming out of Israel and the justifications in the American media with this get back. You see that, you know, when we're taught two wrongs don't make a right. Two wrongs makes it right if they white. Okay. There's just how businesses, banks, political parties, media, how they see things, particularly in 2023, because the crookedness just increases, is they see things differently based on the political, financial, and racial context and religious context. And so, you know, 
we don't want to be crooked in our judgments. It don't matter what your perspective is, what your background is. I don't want to be crooked and value one people so much more than the other and just ignore the, the history where I'm just a tool of the media and the Pentagon. I'm just a tool of, you know, people at the top who look more like vultures than saints. Okay. And so the other thing I want to point out is before the attack on Israel, the, the Israel cannot come under any type of international law or they cannot be a, a prosecutor for war crimes. So the United States, as kind of the strategic partner, they're saying, hey, if Israel kills innocent people, if they blow grandma up or, you know, they do something uh, that's in violation of inter international law, it does not apply to our friends. It doesn't. Well, first, it doesn't apply to us and it doesn't apply to Israel. But if you guys do it, terrorism, you know, terrorism, you know, if you guys do it, then war crime, terrorism. But with us over here in D.C. and Tel Aviv, none of the laws and stuff, the morality don't apply to us. We can do whatever we want and we can justify. And we got people like Abby Phillips and Colin Powell and Oprah Winfrey, some people to just justify our slant in terms of what's right and wrong. And so a key takeaway as these events develop is that Israel, they can't be prosecuted for war crimes. Okay. They got it like that. They, there's no international law. They can do whatever they want. And so, you know, America is right by their side. And again, Biden is coming out saying that it doesn't matter how many people they kill. He's pretty much saying it, it, grandma, grandpa, cousin, nephew, niece, the two-year-old baby, kill everybody if you want to. We don't care because it's justified based on our relationship. So I got another quote from Dr. King. A nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense. Actually, this is the same one, but I'm going to say it again. A nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. You know, when you look at the media and you look at the politicians, it's like, man, I don't see anybody speaking any truth, any, there's no real moral insights anymore. It's like when the leaders, including Barack Obama, when the leader says something, it's like, they're not really saying anything. It's like you stop listening to them because they, they because they're conflicted. You know, hey, I got this relationship with Amazon and I got to win this election and I got to get this money and this and that. So the, the leaders are so conflicted. They're soaked with conflicts of interest, with financial interest. They're soaked with conflicts and they're so compromised. You stop listening to them. You know, they're called leaders, but you just stop listening to them because when you listen, they're not really saying nothing because they got all this stuff underneath them, money, relationships, you know, financial conflicts. They got, uh, you know, big partners and they don't want to become less popular. So you, you just stop listening to them. They got so many conflicts of interest that they're not really going to, even if you do listen, they're not going to say anything. And so- I want to leave you with this. 
is, you know, part of the, the four level framework is I think that there's a greater than 70% chance probability, 70% that this stuff is going to spread. And the religious element makes it very, very dangerous, not just for us, for the planet. That's how serious this is, is that uh, you really are starting to go into the direction that these nukes can come out. Okay. And, you know, we're kind of, not we, but the powers, they're taking steps towards some type of nuclear conflict. And, you know, I think whether someone is willing to take risk for us, right? Anybody can say, oh, you know, I love you. You know, you're the homie and you're my brother. You're my sister. And, you know, I'm really for you. What really tells us a factor, what really tells us whether someone is for us is whether they're going to take risk for us. Okay. Will you give up something or risk giving up something big for us, for me? Okay, so when you with, with these events in terms of Ukraine and Israel, you need to think about how much risk, potentially World War III, how much risk is the United States willing to take for Israel and Ukraine? And, of course, the billions is part of the risk, too, the billions going out the door. Of course, there's other factors, but think about how much risk do you see Biden, the Democratic Party, America? How much risk do you see the leaders of today willing to take for the black American? What are they willing to risk? Are they willing to do anything bold for the, the black American like Israel or Ukraine, you see a lot of risk-taking, but do you see any risk-taking where people are willing to give up a lot, reputation, money, power even? Do you see people taking risk in America for the black American? Okay. And, you know, when are we going to start asking, when can I be treated as a black American, when can I, ancestors on this soil, slaved on this soil, oppressed and raped on this soil, when can I, as a native black American, be treated like Israel or a Jewish person? When do I get into the front of the line? Peace.